0: Hi, I'm Paul Shrimpf, and welcome to Microdosing, where we look at small, specific things that represent bigger trends in the business of healthcare. In this season, we'll be talking to product professionals, product managers, product developers, innovation, experience, R&D, and the various titles people go by. It continues to be one of the fastest-growing professions, yet everyone has a different take on it. We likely won't quell any debates, but hopefully we'll walk away with a better understanding of the space and what good looks like. I hope you enjoy. Hi. In this episode, we're joined by Cord Brashear. Cord, welcome.
1: Thank you, Paul.
0: Well, let's, uh, let's have it. What's the uh, two-minute version of Cord?
1: Uh, I grew up in the Midwest. I think it's always good to say that I'm from Nebraska, take certain amount of pride in that classic path you know went to college liberal arts major because you know i was trying to figure out what i wanted to do and and still not certain i know for certain discovered design along the way studied that at the graduate level went on to practice that for a number of years i like to say paul that i have been doing design since before it was cool you know 10 years ago or 15 years ago IDEO really popularized design thinking methodologies and that became a really hot trend. I feel like we're off that trend. So I will still keep practicing design, even though it may not, even though it may have lost a little bit of its luster. Practiced in consulting firms, human centered design agencies, innovation agencies, experience design agencies for a number of years. Found my way into a Fortune 10 healthcare organization. I'm sure we'll chat about that a little bit more. Recently, left the healthcare industry to, to move into a different sector, agricultural lending. And I live with my wife and my two kids on the western suburbs of Minneapolis, Minnesota.
0: That's great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because of um, you've always been in the product, the design, the innovation space, but sometimes you've been on the supplier or services side, sometimes the client side, and then for us being a healthcare podcast, it's sometimes inside of healthcare, outside of healthcare. So you've got a lot of great compare and contrast lenses that, that I'm excited to, to hear about. Um, and then as we dive into it, I, I think as you and I have chatted, I'm interested to get your take on the differences between just product or product development and innovation and is that just nomenclature or do those carry kind of different meanings to you?
1: I could sit here and tell you, give you textbook definitions, Paul. Mm -hmm. I, I think in the end it doesn't really matter. I think classically innovation is about trying to introduce something new that, uh, new to our organization, new to the world that hasn't been done before. Um, I think product is about developing products and services of value for Mm -hmm. your intended audience. I think given the words I just said, there's lots of overlap between those two. I think maybe the difference lies in how far out are we trying to go on the horizon? Innovation classically tries to go, I'd say two to five years out. Mm -hmm. And we could talk about whether that's a good approach or not. I think product tends to be a little bit more immediate term extending out. So what are we shipping next quarter? What are we shipping Mm -hmm. next year? What are we shipping in the future? I think they're both highly synergistic. Um, I think a a thriving organization typically has the right combination of both of those skill sets.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. I think that's going to be a common theme of a lot of overlapping ideas and neither one is right or wrong, but just a continual learning and appreciation of the, the concepts, and I really like the longitudinalness that you put to that, which I think makes a lot of sense with innovation being more broader out over the horizon, product is more what are we putting a price tag on today and generating revenue with in some gray space in between. It's really good. Um, and then as we look at just innovation in the corporate world or specifically healthcare, how would you describe that, the good, the bad, the indifference in terms of um how to think about that, just the, the fundamentals, so to speak.
1: Innovation within healthcare is largely focused on, let's call it clinical innovation, improving care delivery, improving uh, recovery times, getting to diagnoses faster all that needs to happen it is happening that's what that's what the field of of life science just to name one example does amazingly well i think for organizations that are focused on 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 service delivery of health related services and benefits so health insurance companies care delivery organizations <laughs> if you're not already you need to be thinking about what you're doing and what you're offering as an experience, as a service. And you need to think about things that I think historically the more clinical-oriented traditional healthcare bona fides individuals either didn't like to talk about or thought were silliness. So things like patient experience, things like consumer-directed services, All those things, I think, as as we see competition ratchet up, you might think of them as window dressing or extraneous, but where we're getting to an area of parity, those may be the critical differences that suggest whether I decide to receive care here or care somewhere else.
0: I've always found that interesting is there is a discipline and a rigor and success around the clinical side of products in healthcare, whether that's drug compounds in pharma, hospitals in the delivery system, or even just the procedures that you do at hospitals. And there's an appreciation of the investment and the discipline around that. But when you get an ease of scheduling or patient navigation or a digital experience, it gets like a fraction of the support. You know, and, and yeah. I could make an argument that if you build a new hospital in the new suburb, I can put patient volume around that. I can also put patient volume around like scheduling or triaging with urgent care. But for some reason, the new hospital gets billions of dollars of funding, and the scheduling and the triaging online gets like a couple hundred thousand. But there seems to be just this interesting disconnect between the viewing of innovation in healthcare as clinical is important and non-clinical gets barely any support, but I'm not sure if there's a question in there, but any reactions or builds to that?
1: No, absolutely. I mean, let let, let me try to give you a specific example. So, um, you know, within the world of pharmacy, pharmacy, from my point of view, is a huge, I I frame it, Paul, as a customer engagement lever, because you may only go to a provider every so often, but... I have a, a, a medication regimen. I got to get a refill every 30 days. and Walgreens and the others know everything I'm speaking of, but maybe for maybe the others that aren't as close to it. <laughs> so how to make getting that prescription any bit easier? How to get it make it any more convenient? Like that's to be focusing on. The one that the, a, a good example that I'm have some personal passion around are just labs. Thinking about the sequencing of labs and consultation with a provider. So classically, 10 years ago, for an annual wellness visit, you'd go in, you'd go get blood taken out of your arm, you'd go see your provider, they'd give you kind of some hypothetical things to do because they hadn't actually processed the labs yet. And then you'd get a follow-up note based upon once the labs were actually in, okay, now that I'm seeing your results, Paul, I did a physical examination of you in my office, but now, you know, do this, 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 and this. And so I've seen with my own lived experience as a patient, like providers are getting smarter about, maybe let's break that traditional journey. Let's move labs up. With the explosion of direct-to-consumer or at-home labs, we should be thinking about labs in a very different way that we do. And I I understand I'm speaking to maybe How providers make money, but you know, a a provider will have you do labs once a year. And because, you know, commonly they're taking that lab sample at their clinic, you know, the same truck that delivers my new Xbox or my new Mm -hmm. iPad, it could also have a lab kit on it. And I could, you know, put that back on the truck, you know, when I'm ready. And we could do that every month. We could do that longitudinally. We could make it much more convenient for the patients than we do right now.
0: Yeah, for for sure. I mean, I think all the DTC testing has been fascinating, either the the saliva test or I do a lot of work with uh, the folks at Color Guard, which is a fecal test, which is kind of gross to talk about. But (laughs) having done it, like, it's surprisingly better than the Amazon experience for as gross of a substance it is. Like, the amount of, you know, diagnostic testing is key, so I would agree. And then shifting gears a bit, um, innovation's always been – a common function and discipline for an organization. We always hear terms like most innovation and new products kind of fail.
1: And there's a variety of reasons,
0: but at the heart, it's like, what makes innovation hard? I
1: can't remember where I'm stealing this from. The challenge of innovation is that at the beginning, all the bad ideas look bad, but all the good ideas look like bad ideas too. So we don't know which are which. And so, and I think. Trust the people that have done it before. Trust people that have experience navigating that um, gray space well. Um, Take your time. There's the saying, go slow to go fast. I think also, and I'm going to say this as a card-carrying, human-centered designer who spend lots of hours actually in people's homes. We don't do this anymore because it's deemed too slow and inefficient we try to do it all online but i've spent my ten thousand hours as malcolm gladwell likes to say like talking to people about all sorts of stuff hair care beverages inkjet printers financial services etc if you really want to get good at innovation you actually need to be curious about your your customers the the consumers you intend to serve. And you really have to mean that. I'm not saying that you have to be the one, you know, most CEOs don't have the time or ability to go out to a consumer's home and participate in in discovery methods. Those take a lot of time, admittedly. and, And you want the people that are good at that doing that. But you need to have curiosity. You need to have thoughtfulness. You need to challenge your assumptions. You need to be able to wait for the answer. I think modern business practices say we've got to ship fast. And I think Mm -hmm. at at certain points, you do need to ship fast and you do need to move fast and you do need to be decisive. But if we're talking about the core of our strategy, what problem are we solving? I see too often we just skip over the problem framing part and just jump into solutioning because we feel a sense of urgency. And I think that's your... Best way to rush something that's not right or missing the mark.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think there's um, good design um, and ethnography goes hand in hand. Um, You just really good observational skills because I think that's the piece where I've learned in spades. Is most of us in healthcare think doing something at home and having it be digital is more convenient more easier and a better experience i've seen that's not a one-to-one correlation just because something's digital doesn't automatically mean it's easier we like to think of our favorite digital experiences that are easy in that aspect um and then even as we get more into the aging in place people go oh wouldn't it be great you know as you get older you can stay home and i've learned there's a sizable segment out there of people that wouldn't mind going to dialysis clinics because that's the one time a week they get to see people or they like the community and have to remind people that there's a reason I take my car to the mechanic to get the oil change. I can do it myself. I've got the tools, but understanding some of that, those different pieces of fidelity as you do innovation, uh, I think is important because if not, you're racing to, oh, we can make this digital. We can send it at home. They're going to love it. And you realize that, no, it doesn't quite manifest itself that way in, in that yeah. type of scenario.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you you probably know much more about this than I do. I know that in-home diagnostics are becoming a thing. And so I'm making a guess here, Paul, but as of right now, a proper MRI machine is very expensive. You don't probably want to move it around a lot. <laughs> it probably has a highly trained person to operate the machine and probably gives fantastic results you could think about things like in-home diagnostics but then we have Mm -hmm. to pay attention to things like what are the social patterns of the home are Mm -hmm. you going to be trying to perform imaging while i've got kids or other people around to your point maybe it's actually maybe it's actually the right solution to have some processes and procedures in a centralized location now at the same time as we were talking about earlier things like uh, phlebotomy, like if there's a way to do it at home or do it in some place that doesn't require me to drive to the hospital or my physician's office every time, let's do that. But being really structured and thoughtful about what is the right configuration, what is the right approach for the task at hand.
0: Yeah, I've become, uh, maybe it's me getting older is more curmudgeon. Like, unless you can eliminate blood draw. I'm now at the camp, like, just do more with my blood draw. Like, I don't want to do a blood draw. I drive somewhere to do a blood draw. Then go home and do a saliva test or another test and send it around. But as more diagnostics move home to avoid the blood draw, the blood draw doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. So I'm now in, in, in split camps, but uh, that's a, yeah. probably a debate for another time. And then what gets you excited these days in terms of innovation in healthcare or just innovation in general?
1: I would say you're going to see increasing amounts of consumerization in healthcare. I think, I hope, 10 years from now, we won't have to say this is a good healthcare experience versus this is a good consumer experience. Those categories will be indistinguishable. I think we see glimpses of that now. And actually, (laughs) to that point, to the point you just made, Paul, um, we did some ethnographic research not that long ago around digital apps and services that people use to uh, manage their health. That, that was the research prompt. Like, hey, show me on your phone what you use to help keep yourself healthy. And what's interesting is everyone starts with in the same places. Here's my fitness pal. Here's Calm. Here's, of course, my Apple Watch. Apple Watch is probably, you know, <laughs> number one mention. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, here's my app for my health insurance company. Uh, Here's my app for my dental plan. I don't use those things. I don't really enjoy using those things. I don't engage with them frequently, but I have them. And so inevitably, we're going to get to a point where those walls are going to be divided. And I know why they're divided now because of things like HIPAA, PHI, contractual obligations, et cetera. What I see now is a lot of really good point solutions. I think Mm -hmm. to your point earlier about a focus on digital, digital has a lot of reasons why it's attractive to developers. There's coaching, there's nutrition, there's alerts, there's nudging, there's online community. But the reality is we are all one person. So what's the app or how do you get apps to start thinking about, you know, I don't just have irritable bowel syndrome. I have irritable bowel syndrome and diabetes. So start to think about co- comorbidities, start to think about whole person health. And I think we're, we're going to get to this convergence phase where you know, we're not going to have a bunch of different conversations with a bunch of different providers. We're going to have fewer, more thoughtful, more holistic conversations with fewer providers. And those providers are going to know a lot more about you and allow the provider to understand what's going on when they're not sitting with you inside of their examination room
0: and as we wrap if you could go back and and tell your younger self one thing what would that be
1: the place I was I I used to be at there was a, a cultural saying that we had which is be here now and I think that's broadly applicable to maybe all aspects of life meaning that in any given moment, you can have all sorts of regret about things that have happened in your past, which the the behavioral health experts would say isn't probably productive. And I think equally, and especially for myself, you can have so much anxiety about what's yet to come. So the things that can happen tomorrow and we've all had, I certainly have had my share of, of sleepless nights worrying about the meeting tomorrow or difficult conversation tomorrow when I should have been with the gift of hindsight just focused on okay get a good night's sleep show up and be you know mature and present and good listening and more often than not things will work out better than you ever hoped they would
0: there's only so much you can control
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, Court, this is fantastic. Thanks for just taking a, a few minutes out of your day to share your story and perspectives on innovation. Thank you so much. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for listening to Microdosing. For more thoughts, perspectives, and opinions like this, go to www.md-pod.com. For media professionals, while I am flattered, please do not reach out to pitch your ideas or to interview your clients. This might confuse people, but I am not a media professional. Microdosing is not a revenue-generating podcast. I'm an operator, advisor, and investor. This is how I make my income. Conversations with experts is just how I learn, and podcasting is a simple way for people in my network to learn from one another. This podcast isn't about making money. It's about learning, sharing, and allowing ourselves to have a little fun along the way. Until next time, Cheers.